Thank you for joining me for Yoga Living Project. This week we've got Carrie Quinn, who is a teacher in residence at Cambio. has been teaching here for about almost eight years. She, well, yeah, she's been here since the beginning. So uh, we talk all things prenatal yoga. And um, of course, with Carrie, you're going to get a lot more than just what you signed up for. She's hilarious and brilliant and always got great insights to things. So I hope you enjoy the conversation and let us know if you have any questions. And I think this is also a timely post in terms of uh, gearing up for Hanuman. So you'll kind of hear us mention how the Hanuman Festival is coming up soon. And I would highly recommend that. I've been to that uh, three times. One time for just a day, another time for two days, and then I went for three days one year. Um, I kind of liked, I think the two days is the sweet spot, but it's a super fun, it's my favorite yoga festival, as I mentioned in the podcast. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy. Quinn. Thank you, Austin. How are you doing today? I'm Once doing again. pretty well. How are yeah. you? I'm um, trying to say it, not spray it. Trying to say it, not spray <laughs> it. That's We're going to weave that in three times. Let's take. The rule of comedy is three times. Three times. Three well, that's times. the beginning. We'll find right. a middle and then a strong close it out. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, well, cool. So you just got done teaching, didn't you? I did. I taught a little prenatal yoga class. Did you? Mm-hmm. How was it? It was, I have to say, prenatal is... My favorite class. Now, if you know me, you know I have many favorites. Like, oh. I'm the kind of person that's like, that's my favorite. What's your favorite movie? That's my favorite movie. Well, that's my favorite movie. Well, teaching prenatal yoga is my favorite um, because I just got finished teaching prenatal yoga. Mm. Um, but also because it's a lovely style. Um, the reason I love it, I think, is that I, I'm sure you've never taken a prenatal yoga class, Austin. Not yet. Or Not that yet. I remember. <clears throat> Not that you remember. Not right. that I remember. That's a good one. Right. Um, the thing that's different about it, like the big difference is that instead of practicing in rows, uh, we practice in a circle. Mm -hmm. And so in the circle, not only are we practicing in a circle, but we're also holding a conversation Mm. in the circle. So today I had seven different women, Mm. different stages of pregnancy. Some of them have older children. Some of them, it's their first time. I had one woman that was brand new to prenatal yoga today several who've been there for a couple of times and one woman actually who is um who is a repeat a a client who has been this is her not her first pregnancy with me um so it was like a great diverse group of people and we do a check-in so we'll say you know what's your name how far along are you in this pregnancy what's new and exciting that's happened in the last week and um we did that we talked about what was happening for people over the weekend as well and so were they all like, I went to Territory Days and ate turkey legs? or One person went to Territory Days. Um, we did not discuss the turkey legs. Yeah. But it's, what's cool so, yeah. is everybody gets a chance to say, you know, where, where they are and also what's happening. And not sort of, you know, I think a lot of times there's a lot of fear about pregnancy, right? There's mm. a lot of fear about, that's the way that a lot of people in the West will 
think about pregnancy as everything that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And I love that as a metaphor for life too, right? We think about life as everything that could go wrong and we don't always take the time to think about, well, what's one thing that's going right today? Let's start there. And so we get the opportunity in prenatal to say, here's where, here's who I am. Here's where I am. And here's something that's going right today. Mm -hmm. And we start there and then we get to talk about everything else. So sometimes people bring in questions like today, um, today, you know, is a good conversation about car seats. You know, do you need to have it inspected by someone? Yes. Um, who can do that? Where do you go for that? And, but I found in the years of teaching prenatal yoga is that there really isn't any other one-stop shop for that kind of information. And so we talk about that. And then the conversation evolves and the women were talking about, um, you know, oh gosh, I don't have family in town. I don't know what to do when my baby comes. Like, if I have to go to the dentist, do I take my baby with me? Like, how do mm -hmm. I, how do I do that? And I said, no, no, you, you make friends and you, this is where you meet other people and you get to rely on each other because again, like in life, most people need more help than they're willing to ask for mm. in pregnancy and new motherhood. More pe people need more help than they're willing to ask for. And so what was cool about the whole thing is we had this good conversation and then, you know, we do Shavasana. Everyone gets a shoulder rub. That's everyone's favorite part. Mm. And then um, the end of class, everyone's sharing phone numbers with each other. Mm. Uh, you know, because there's a woman who looks pretty ready to go. Like, she's probably not coming <laughs> back next week. Um, and everybody was like, make sure you have my phone number so that mm. if and when you need your community, I'm here. Mm. And we talked about that. We talked about how to appropriately ask for help because... Again, our culture is sort of all or nothing. It's a fire hose right after the baby comes. Everyone's like, how can I help? How can I help? And the mom's like, I don't even, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question. Mm -hmm. And so like the appropriate way is to say, in six weeks, reach out to me and say, I'm coming to your house. I'm bringing some food and I'm going to hang, I'm willing to hang out with your baby if you need an hour to take a shower uninterrupted or attend to some work or go for a walk or take a nap or whatever that is. And then you get the right of refusal to say no, but ask for like specific things. Mm -hmm. So we get to do all of this in the course of the class and we get to stretch and prepare for labor and all of that. But honestly, for me as a teacher, I feel like there's no other style of yoga where I get to know my students mm -hmm. week to week, having an hour long conversation over and over and over. And then sometimes for pregnancy after pregnancy, you know? So it's like, um, I don't know. If you if you asked me tomorrow after my vinyasa class if prenatal was still my favorite, I probably would still say so. I might actually still say so. Really? Uh, so how did you well how did you get started down the path of teaching prenatal? How did this come to you? A couple of different ways. So you know me, I'm not a short answer kind of person. <laughs> I like to tell the whole story. Um so I'll say the beginning of the story was for me, college, I studied medical anthropology. And I um, became interested in how what we say to pregnant women affects their perception of their birth outcome uh, and that transition into motherhood. And I became familiar with different forms of birth and different kinds of birth support. So doulas are, are women who um, support other women in a non-medical way, support women in labor. And I always thought, oh, I really want to do that, but I don't have any street cred, right? I don't have any babies. So <laughs> I'm going to have... 
I'm going to have to go do something else first. And I did. I worked, I got a master's degree and I worked in the nonprofit sector for many years. And then as I was leaving full-time work and devoting myself more full-time to yoga, I decided to take a prenatal yoga teacher training kind of on a whim just to add to my resume. And I went to Boulder and I sat with my teachers, um, Katie Wise and Kirsten Warner, and we sat in a circle and it's boulders. There's like tapestries everywhere and it's all lovey and there's soft music and like incense burning and it's all of that. And Katie turned around and she said, you've all been a mother in another lifetime. And I was like, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I'm going to wear That's all the permission I needed to be like, okay, you know. And I get that that might be hippie and woo-woo for everyone, but that's cool. For me, that's what I needed to be like, all right, I'm going to step into this, and this is what I'm going to do. And I finished the training, and I came back to Cambio, and I asked to add a prenatal yoga class. And, um, and I just started teaching. And, and the more I taught, the more I realized I didn't know which is also how it happens in life. Um, and so I went and did additional trainings. I did a mom and me teacher training because my students would not stay pregnant. They just kept graduating. They would give birth and then they would leave. And I was like, this doesn't work. So I did a mom and me teacher training. I did a lactation training. I did a doula training. I did a midwifery assistant training. I had the great privilege to work as a midwife's assistant uh, and home birth. I've worked as a doula for a couple of years and you know, it was, I'm, I'm forever grateful to my teacher for saying those words because I didn't realize the extent to which I had just stopped myself and put myself on hold on this path that I was very clearly supposed to walk. Um, well, it makes so much sense. I mean, you don't, you think about like a doctor, he doesn't have to have the disease to be able to treat the disease. Exactly. exactly. And how often does that stop us in life from giving us agency to do things because we feel like we have to have somehow earned it or I feel know. like that happens all the time I think that happens in teacher training you know most new yoga teachers are like what do I have to teach I I don't mm -hmm. have anything to teach and I think well you do actually because you might know a very little bit about yoga but you've lived this life for this long and mm -hmm. whether or not you're the kind of person that believes in a life before this or not is irrelevant because you've made it to this point which means whatever you've been doing whatever experiences you've had you're an expert in those things mm -hmm. and so that, so that was the journey to get you to start doing this stuff. Um, now, what, what have you learned? So you said you, you realized how much you didn't know. Um, and now that you're in it, how many years now have you been doing it? I've been teaching prenatal yoga for six. Six years? Years now. So six years into it, and today you're saying that that's still like your favorite thing to do. Like one of your favorites, among the milieu of favorites. Right, of all of my life, favorites. It's right? my favorite favorite. So what, and, and I, I mean, it's obvious that like the women are getting this great sense of community, which is, I'm sure, wonderful for them in this kind of scary, huge life transition and life change and kind of re-identification of what your purpose on this planet is and what you're doing with yourself. Um, but what about the actual like yoga stuff? So how is that helping these women in terms of, you know, what, like, what is it? I, cause you know, I'll never get to go because there is a, there's a maxim, right? It's like a, you've got to be a woman. You've got to be pregnant to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's tell so give us, give us the, give us the overview of like all the things we don't know about prenatal. 
So the yoga side of prenatal, or the asana side, or both, all of it? Yeah, maybe, well, start wherever you feel is most. I think what brings most, it's in my experience, you know, I've been teaching yoga now for 20 years. I've been practicing for 32 years. What brought me to yoga was I didn't have a choice about it, but what brings most people to yoga, I think, today is the physical practice, right? It's the, either my doctor said it will help me calm down and help me deal with my anxiety, or I want my butt to look really nice in yoga pants, or all the cool kids are doing it, or something like that, right? It's rarely a deep philosophical calling to go find more. And yet at the same time, I think there's always a little bit of that. So a lot of women, probably more than half of the women that come to prenatal yoga come for that physical piece. Mm -hmm. They are uncomfortable in their bodies. Their bodies are changing and there's a baby growing in them and, and that's uncomfortable and it's different and um, it's shaking their foundation in a new and different way. Mm. And so, of course, the asana is designed for a pregnant body. So to support a pregnant body and also to ease the discomforts of a pregnant body as well as training the same way that you would train for a marathon. You know, most people don't train for a marathon by just getting up one day and running a marathon. Mm-hmm. Most people do some level of training, and and that's really what we do. So there's there's that sort of physical piece. Um, there's also we borrow well, well, to, to that because I see some people doing, I see some pregnant women doing like normal yoga, like right. general public classes, mm-hmm. and. Um, from what I understand, it's like, it's the kind of thing where like a general rule of thumb is like, well, if you were doing yoga before you got pregnant, it's probably okay to maintain that practice. Um, but it sounds like in this specifically, they're getting more than just. Right. So this, this is a conversation I have quite a bit, especially with experienced yogis who think this isn't a challenging asana practice for me. Uh, You know, we're not doing headstands and I still can. And absolutely you still can. If you had a headstand in your practice before becoming pregnant, of course you can because pregnancy is not an injury. It's not an illness. Mm -hmm. It's a normal condition of the adult human female, right? So I absolutely get behind that practice however serves you. And I like to include the and of and What you're getting out of this is specific training to support yourself for birth, to help your baby move into an optimal position, and the community, the conversation, the education. So Mm. for established yogis, it's less about, oh, this is a physical practice that's going to replace all of your physical practice. Um, Well, what you said, too, speaks to such a bigger thing happening right now in yoga that at least I've been really aware of is this sense that, like, for it to be yoga, it has to be effortful or right. there has to be really result-driven or like there's got to be something extravagant about the pose or the pose needs to be challenging or beautiful. And um, I think that it's it's a real gift when you get to the point in your practice where you start to let go of some of that stuff and you can start to return to the whole practice where it's not just about the, the right. young part of things. You exactly. Know? And... The accomplishment, as in all forms of yoga, is is showing up. It's not, 
in the performance or measuring yourself against some imaginary yardstick or what you saw someone else doing on Instagram or what the woman next to you is doing because she's not going to birth your baby. Mm-hmm. No one's going to birth your baby but you. And that is going to be a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual experience that you will go through alone. And it prepares you in many ways for that. Mm-hmm. And in, in, I do see it as such a parallel for life because that's the truth with life as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's lovely because people will come. The other half of people that come to prenatal yoga have never practiced yoga before. Mm. They Google it or their doctor suggests it as a form of exercise. So mm-hmm. I have a lot of women who are like, you know, I'm, I'm an Olympic diver um, and clearly I'm not supposed to be doing that anymore. Or I'm doing a lot of CrossFit or I, you know, I used to do a lot of trail running or other kinds of things that just are less conducive as pregnancy goes along. And so they, they come to yoga or people who've been, who haven't been active mm-hmm. and, and they really are training up for the marathon of birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they see that. And then, of course, there's so many different ways in which the philosophies of yoga are helpful. I think... Mm, yeah. The, the two things that. that we all need to hear, or the things, the two things that I feel like I need to hear over and over again, and so I hear myself saying them over and over again, are, I see you, and you're not alone. Mm. And I think pregnancy is the most unifying and the most isolating experience. It's unifying in that everyone walking around was born. Mm-hmm. Everyone. I was born. You were born. Everybody walk. I mean, this is like the most universal human experience Mm -hmm. that we've all been through in in at least one way. And yet, it's a journey that as a mother, as someone preparing to birth, you will have your own unique experience and it will be something you've never done before and no one else will be able to do the work that you need to do. And so, um, again, I think that that yoga has a lot to offer Mm -hmm. to us to prepare ourselves to both acknowledge the unity, right? The lack of separation, the illusion of separation doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And yet we're here in this moment so the universe can know itself better Mm -hmm. through the experience of our experience. Mm -hmm. So when a... What and so and why is it important um, that? I mean, this kind of seems obvious, and I can I can kind of guess, but I want to hear your take on it, and and uh, just the philosophy, the general philosophy of prenatal yoga. Um, but talk a little bit about why it is a closed community, in terms of you know the father can't come or you know other kids maybe. It's may not. not. So I think. Um, It is and it isn't. So there are classes that are specifically just for pregnant women. And I have, on many, many occasions, have had a woman come with a support person. So with her mother or a sister or a friend or someone because she's nervous to come by herself. Mm -hmm. And I say, that's great. The first class, you can bring another female relative, friend, whatever. And then after that, you get to come on your own. And it's reserved for women expecting. So I do also have intended women, intended parents coming. Mm-hmm. So I have women who are not pregnant, um, but who are receiving 
uh, an adopted child or a surrogate child. Mm. Uh, so they're not actually pregnant, but they're still preparing to be mothers. Oh, and so they cool. get to participate. Um, and at ENSO, we offer sometimes a prenatal and partner yoga class. Mm -hmm. So that is really intended for um, the birthing mother and her partner. And then we offer a class called Mama Yoga, which is um, for women on both sides of the birth experience, mm -hmm. so postpartum and prenatal and sort of a mixed experience. Um, I think it's really important that we have a safe and sacred space for women who are experiencing this. Um, and I really struggle with that as someone who's, I consider myself to be a feminist, but I feel like it's more appropriate to call myself an equalist where I don't understand why we have certain things mm. that, that certain groups of people can and can't do. In our ethical guidelines at ENSO, we don't discriminate based on gender, but we do discriminate based on pregnancy status or intended mothership status. Mm -hmm. And it's a fine line. Um, I have had male yoga teacher training students interested in attending prenatal yoga, and mm -hmm. I've had one class where the class admitted that person. I let them vote by secret ballot. So once the class is settled, then I give everyone a piece of paper and I get to say if you're okay with this person who's intending to observe this class participating, um, you can write yes. And if you're not, you say no. If we get one no vote, then it's a no and he's okay with that and everyone's okay with that. And so I've had two groups that said no and I had one group that said yes. Mm. Um, Did it change the dynamic a lot? It was... changes the dynamic. Yeah. It does. It changes how people share, what they share. Um, I won't say that women and men always engage differently around one another. Um, but I think... Well, it's I could, a different experience. Yeah, I mean, I could see this community being built where these women are able to almost draft off each other, you know, where it's like you're kind of moving through this experience where you're just along for the ride with your body, and then maybe somebody who's maybe on their second pregnancy or a little more comfortable with it shares something that empowers another woman to be like, whoa, you know, I wasn't even really even being honest with myself about that because I was scared of it or whatever it might have been, and how that could create a sense of not only camaraderieship, but um, authenticity and vulnerability that, you know, could extend beyond maybe even what the woman is sharing with their partner, you know? Very different. Because how would they be able to understand in the first place anyway, right? Right. Well, and I think in so many ways, our culture considers pregnancy to be a spectacle. Mm. A woman who's pregnant very often feels on display. We have the cultural right to speak about her appearance in the way that we don't other people. So when you go to the grocery store, you'll hear someone say, oh, my God, you're huge. Are you having twins? Or you look really small to be 35 weeks. Or, mm -hmm. you know, they, you know, I, I think we have, for whatever reason, people will touch your belly. You know, it's just like Strangers. it's not a safe yeah. place. Um for people to make. It's a safe place where people won't make comments. And you get to say, my seven-year-old called me a whale today, and I feel like dying. Oh, 
Sad. And everyone else gets it. And it's, you know, I get to do a little bit of the repair that hasn't happened. I, I feel very honored to be the only woman in the room who's not pregnant to be able to sort of hold the space and say, offer a new perspective or... Um, I, I feel my, like a Lorax, like the Lorax yeah. of birth where I get to say, you know, if somebody comes and puts their hand on your belly in the grocery store, you just put your hand right back on their belly. <laughs> yeah. And you just make eye contact with them and you <laughs> right. hold it until they let go. <laughs> right. And without saying a word, you have just taught them a lesson about how inappropriate and it awkward is. it is for someone to touch your belly. Yeah, where does that come from? That's so weird. Well, you know, and I can also see, actually, the fact that, you know, you are holding this space for these women from a place that you're not attached to a personal experience of it. And, you know, I could see how that could really allow a deeper benefit for them for the ability that gives you to be empowered, to really not be attached to any one way it needs to be for them. Exactly. You know? I mean, my when I work as a doula or a midwife's assistant, when I go to a birth, my mantra going into the birth is not my birth, not my baby. Mm. In a sense that I'm here to participate and I'm going to be affected by this experience, but I'm not here to drive or control or manipulate mm. this experience. This is, you know, it is truly an honor to be invited into the process, mm -hmm. either as a yoga teacher or as a birth professional. Um, and you're right. I, I'm not trying to heal my own negative birth experience, or I'm not trying to relive my own positive birth mm -hmm. experience through what I'm doing. And I think that can be a challenge of people who do have a pregnancy story to share that people you know, yoga students will want to sort of glom onto that and be like, I'm going to do it exactly the way right. she did it because yeah. that's the right way. That sounds so romantic and... Exactly. Right. But again, the yogic perspective is that you're here to have your own unique experience and it has nothing to do with what your yoga teacher did or didn't do or what this other woman in class did or didn't do. And so we get a whole lot of philosophy without even realizing it um, in the course of the conversation. Well, the Lorax gets to say it, not spray it. That's right. You know? Good. That was the second one. Oh. <laughs> Boom. Uh, okay, so uh, here's a question. Have you run across women who are resistant to prenatal yoga? And in that, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, why or why not, or, um, you know, why should somebody do prenatal besides... Um, you know, or somebody maybe who's listening to this is on the fence or um, I just I think it's it's an interesting conversation because it bring it everything we've talked about so far has gone beyond the specificity, specificity, whatever that word is, specificity, specificity of the pregnancy. I mean, it literally all continues to come back down to this yoga idea. So, you know, I wonder if like some of the resistance stuff that some people may have or some of the fear stuff that some people may have, if that's just the same stuff everybody has and on the other side of that some of the benefits that you know or some of the reasons you would tell somebody hey get off the couch and come down and see me on Tuesdays at 12 you know if that if those are the same reasons of why anybody should come and do yoga 
I think there are, of course, any of the reasons anyone should do yoga are the same. The reasons I think some women are resistant to prenatal yoga are um, they might be they might have a very vigorous asana practice and feel like if they are a competitive person or an achievement oriented person um, that this won't fulfill that. There is a level of um, there are many women who work in the world of men or are have been rewarded for living these masculine characteristics mm. of this sort of achievement-focused yoga and the idea of softening and doing something that's not as difficult, doing something that's just for women can feel like, oh, that's the women's class. That's mm. less. That's not as challenging. It's just challenging in a different way. And I resonate with that so much. Mm -hmm. I resonate that. Both of my parents are engineers, and so I grew up in a household where they're just equals. They, mm -hmm. you know, everything was equal. And I don't think my mom would have been the kind of person to come to a prenatal class, to go to a breastfeeding support group. She would have been like, I can do this. I can do everything a man can do and this. Mm -hmm. And I think that occasionally those women will come at 36 or 37 weeks of pregnancy because they just legitimately can't tolerate the heat of the practice that they're used to or, mm for whatever reason, they finally come in and then they think, oh, why didn't I come earlier? I didn't realize this. In all the time that I've taught prenatal yoga, I have never once had a woman say, I wish I had started later. Yeah. I wish I had started prenatal yoga later. Just like yoga. Nobody's ever come to me and been like, I should have waited till I was 40 before <laughs> right. I started practicing yoga. Or I really am bummed I came to yoga today. That was yeah, a huge disappointment. That was a mistake. I should have stayed home and watched Law and Order. Chung Chung. <laughs> exactly. Um, did that answer that? Yeah, question? that did. Um, there was a second part to it that I don't. Well, no, I think you got it. I okay. think you got it. Because um, I, I guess my point that I'm really trying to get to is just. Um, you know, and you do a lot of things. You do a lot of things with yoga. But I, I, today I just wanted to spend time to really highlight the prenatal aspect of things. And we're doing this kind of series with podcasts right now where we're exploring specialty yoga styles. And um, and I do want to let people know that, like, you know, you do a blog and, and make sure before we finish where they can find you on that stuff, where Enzo is when you teach at Cambio, um, all your offerings with anatomy, ex you know, extended uh, trainings with yin, things like that. Um, and, I, and I hope to talk about more of that stuff with you too. But uh, to round out the prenatal stuff, can you share with us a little bit, um, maybe because you are in this weird revolving door. It's like a Hotel California to some extent where, you know, your clients, if you are a successful yoga teacher, they leave you, which I guess is kind of the thing with yoga anyway, right? It's always true. But... Aside from that, um, seeming that what might seem to be a backsliding aspect of it, what has been the most gratifying thing for you, or what's the most satisfying thing for you in teaching this? I mean, something's obviously kept you going for six years. Right. I think that's the thing. I think a lot of yoga teachers think, I just need to find people that want to keep coming to my class and stay. But the reality in my opinion, is that parents want their children to be better than them. 
Mm-hmm. Teachers want their students to be better than them. And my hope always is that my students graduate. Yeah. That they outgrow me. Mm-hmm. And prenatal yoga has taught me that more than anything else. Because no matter what I do, what I say, how much training I get, how smart I am, how great my butt looks, my students are going to graduate. And my hope is that in the time that I have them, I know, see, I know that my time with them is sacred. Mm-hmm. I know that it's short, that it's fleeting. And I celebrate the graduation. Mm. And I wish that for all yoga teachers. Yeah. Do they, now if, so if somebody has it, you know, goes through one time and then they get pregnant again, is it recommended they do prenatal yoga for the second labor? Of course. Yeah. I. I mean, the community is the is a different group of people. They're going to have a new baby that's going to need different peers. They're at a different point in their lives. So, um, I mean, I've had many women come back. I have many that have come for three at this point. Um, over the course of teaching three separate pregnancies, I have women, I have several women who um, are surrogates even uh, or choosing adoption for their pregnancies and they will come as well um so i think the idea that it's just there to prepare you for labor prepare you for motherhood um it's all of it and it prepares you to go through that surrogacy process as well mm-hmm. it um and they come th- that's the beautiful thing for me is i get to be like welcome back i'm so glad to see yeah. you again um Yeah, I I think the benefits are the same, even though the pregnancy is different and the story will be different. And uh, you get to um, you get to share, help the new people. So mm-hmm. I um, have the great fortune to participate in twelve step work. And at the beginning, you know, the new person in the room was like, I don't know what I do. I feel weird. And then over the course of time you get to be the person that helps the new person. Hmm. And it's the same with prenatal. You know, so people will go and be like, oh, I'm second trimester. I, know, I remember that from first trimester. Here's what you do. And so the women who are there for their second or third or fourth or whatever pregnancy it might be can turn to the woman in her first or second and say, well, I can't promise you what your experience is going to be like, but this has been my experience. Mm-hmm. Or here's where you go for that. And there is that beautiful um, paying it forward. Right? There's no proprietary knowledge or information in prenatal yoga. It's mm-hmm. all out there for everyone. And nobody's like, well, I, I learned the secret about how to do this part, so I'm not going to share that. I'm going to keep it to myself. That's like, it's absurd. Right? It's absurd when you think about it in prenatal. It's absurd in all of life, too, but especially in prenatal yoga, to be like, why wouldn't you tell that woman where to get her car seat installed? Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you tell that woman, you know? And And I think that that's... I have this like bizarrely grandiose idea about pregnancy and motherhood. I sort of feel like for the nine months that you're pregnant, um, you have this connection with your baby that you could be a spiritual connection. You can talk about it all different kinds of ways, but at least at the very least, according to Western medicine, you have an endocrine connection. Your endocrine system secretes hormones and talks to the baby's hormones. And you get to teach the baby what it feels like to be afraid and to have that fear resolve to be angry and have that anger resolve. You get to give them a home base 
of a sensation of love. And that's a great gift because not everybody gets that. And then you get to learn how to have a conflict, how to have a conversation, how to be in a group of a bunch of women who think differently, who have different religious backgrounds, who are different ages, different kinds of education, different partnerships. And they're your people and you figure out how to make it work. And then the babies grow up in that, right? So the babies grow up with an idea of what home feels like, with an idea of what love feels like, with an idea of what resolution feels like. And I have this crazy idea that if, if everyone can have that experience that we can change the world. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah, and I mean, yoga just seems like it's the right place for that, you know, like, I guess it's, you know, a lot of times there's the woo-woo aspect of yoga, but um, man, the fact that it just, it asks us to just show up and be who we are is like such a, it's such a saving grace in the society where it's like, fit into this box, fit into that box. Um, so, well, thank you. I mean, the work you do, I mean, we get all the time. We get not only people who um, you help along their journey um, that just rave about you and how much you help them, but also um, how inspiring you are to, you know, Cambio, has, we're a school here, so we have a ton of teacher trainers coming through here yearly through the three or four teacher trainings that we do. And, uh, you know, you do your module on prenatal and it's just like, you light that fire for some of these teachers to be. And I mean, I can't even imagine how many you have taught at this point to be prenatal teachers. Um, but I, you know, it's just, it's, I, I kind of feel like here in Colorado Springs, you're just such a, you know, the maven of the prenatal world. And it's like, it's just, it's really nice to sit with you and talk to you and, I de definitely wanted to, before we finish, just tell you like how grateful we are to have you at Cambio and, and let you know that just, you know, everything um, that everybody says about the service that you provide with this. I mean, it's a really special and unique thing. So it's very cool. Thanks for sharing this today. Thank you. What did we not cover concerning prenatal hmm. as we close this up that... Um, you want to, is there anything you want to say or air out there in the world of um, the blue sky of people's minds and receptivity of listening to this podcast out there that? Um... I think um, what I've seen over and over from prenatal, I've also seen in other styles of yoga that people think that they can get the same experience sitting at home in front of a screen. Mm -hmm. And I just don't believe that. I just don't believe that you have the same experience. I don't think it's a bad experience. I don't think it's a negative experience. I don't think if you're like, well, should I go smoke crack? or do a yoga on the internet. <laughs> I mean, that's a clear choice. And I'm grateful for the prenatal yoga DVDs that are out there, and I'm grateful for the online resources that are out there. But there's something that happens in the classroom that takes that hour and amplifies it. Mm -hmm. 
So if I had one thing to say, it would be, if and when possible, you get yourself out of your house into a place where other people are practicing yoga. And if you don't, if you're listening in, you know, Kentucky or whatever, and you don't have a prenatal yoga class, go to a regular yoga class. Um, but whatever that is, there's something very important about community and about the conversations that you have, the connections that you make, the idea of sharing breath with other people, the idea that you're all in it together. Like you go to a yoga class and everyone is on your team. You know? <laughs> right. That's so nice. And it's so lovely to be like, me and my 35 backup dancers got me today. You know, yeah. like there's some otherwise you push pause and you go get a drink and you push pause and you go empty the dishwasher or what but it's just not the same. It's just not the no, same. You so don't, yeah. So I think I'm so grateful that Cambio exists. I call Cambio my yoga home because it was the first place I taught in this town and I have deep appreciation and reverence. And I've seen and heard a million, literally a million times how transformational the community is at mm. Cambio. And I agree. And um, so, so thank you for the opportunity for giving me a launch pad um, and allowing me to teach everything that I do. Ah, well, and you've launched into, so Enzo is specifically prenatal. Prenatal, right? yeah. So, and it's downtown. My business partner, B, and I formed Enzo Prenatal um, three years ago. It's in old Colorado City. Mm -hmm. If you know where the chocolate factory is, we're right across the street. That's hard. <laughs> That's got to be difficult. So difficult. Or easy. Uh, yeah, we try not to go. Just depending on how time. you look at it. Yeah. Um, and we, we're more than a yoga studio. We're, we, I mean, we're not really a yoga studio. We teach childbirth education classes and breastfeeding classes mm -hmm. and classes about what to feed your baby and how to take care of your baby. And, um, and we also offer prenatal yoga and mom and me yoga and toddler activities and those kinds of things too. But it really is a space that's dedicated to the perinatal years. So fertility through age two or so. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's my yoga baby, right? That's That's been a place where I've gotten the opportunity to grow and change and um, offer many, many different kinds of prenatal yoga and be able to play in that space. So. And... Um, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, so where, and, but you also do a lot of other offerings in terms of, of writing and stuff too. So where can people find you on that? So the best place to find me in general is just my website because I do a variety of different kinds of things. Um, my website is my name, which is spelled funny. Both my names are spelled funny. So it's the worst website ever. You should never make a website based on your name if your name is spelled funny. But my name is K-A-R-I-K-W-I-N-N. -N, so it's kerryquinn.com. Um, and you can find links to my blog, my prenatal blog, a couple of other things that I've written. I do a lot of writing for um, some yoga festivals and some other different organizations, and it's all linked there. Which you've got Hanuman coming up, yeah? Yeah, so I love that I've participated in Hanuman in so many different ways. Um, someday they're going to let me teach there, I swear to God. <laughs> but for now, I have volunteered, I've worked, I do some writing for Hanuman. Um, I have managed 
the music act this year are managing the community tent and music acts. And I have to say, I have been to dozens of yoga conferences and festivals, and Hanuman brings fantastic teachers that spend their time teaching, not mm-hmm. upselling to the next product or project. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that festival. And I love it. I just love it. I think it's got a tremendous heart. I love that it's named Hanuman because it really is, for me, an act of devotion. And um, and I'm so grateful to be a part of that. And you're going up soon. It's just coming right around the it's corner. just right around the corner. <laughs> Third weekend in June this year. Um, so so then I guess my last question is, um, and, and for those of you listening, definitely, if you have not taken a Carrie Quinn class... You've got to get in. She teaches public classes here Wednesday night, 7.15 at Cambio. Because um, I, I can't even imagine how fun your prenatal class is. Because I know your your public class is awesome. And you are such a great writer. I love your writing. So check that out too. Um, but I think maybe ending with this question might be appropriate for the gentleman. So knowing what you know about women going through the process, knowing what you know about being, you know, in that role, in that position of helping them and guiding them through. What words of wisdom do you have for us <laughs> lowly, you know, just even if you could just give us one thing to keep our foot out of our mouth would be beneficial, I think. But maybe something about the experience that, you know, would clue us into a little bit more about gaining a proper perspective. Since it is so, I mean, there's, you know, you see those memes where they're shocking the guys. And right. they're like, this is what it feels like to have a cramp or whatever. And doesn't matter. Being wusses. Yeah, and there's nothing like it, I'm sure. But I think that our culture has done a tremendous disservice to partners and men in particular in saying your job is to sit outside the delivery room and smoke a cigar, right? That's when I think right. of all the imagery of my childhood of like, that what's the it. role of a man in childbirth? It's like, sit outside, get out of the way, smoke a cigar. High five his buddies. High five the buddies. And I think that's such a disservice because men are actually critical. I mean, like, legitimately critical, but also partnership. Like, nobody raises a child alone. And the birth process, the pregnancy, the birth, the parenting experience can serve to strengthen or destroy a relationship. And so what I will say is a lesson that I learned sitting at the kitchen table with a doula client and her husband And I asked her, in your birth, are there things you want me to say to you? Are there things that you'd like to hear? Are there things you find particularly reassuring? And she sat and thought for a minute and gave me kind of a puzzled look and said, well, I don't know. But don't tell me to relax. And she looked right at him. And he looked back and he sort of like puffed up his chest and he's like, but that's what you need to do. You need to just relax. And she's like, but it's not helpful to tell me to relax. That's not helpful. And I had this moment where I realized what was happening and it has changed the course of my life. He's saying the word relax because you haven't told him what word to say. And so what he's saying is, I'm going to use this word relax as a placeholder to say, I'm trying to help you. I don't know what to say. So for right now, I'm just going to use this word. When you know what word I should say, tell me and I'll say that instead. Wow. I think there's a level of recognition when we don't know what to say. Many men just don't say anything. Yeah. Instead of saying, That's a really common response. I don't know what to say right now. 
And that's okay. You can say, I don't know what to say right now. And then you can say, what would you like to hear from me right now? Mm. And then if that doesn't feel right, you know, you can keep negotiating that. But if you find yourself stuck in this pattern, in this samskara of like, just relax. Don't tell me to relax. You know, I hear my parents in the way that they bickered. And I hear other people in the way that they bicker. And we have the opportunity at every moment to free ourselves from that. And men participate in that, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in partnership with somebody, you're participating with that. So if you're a man that's anticipating a new baby, you have an important role. You have an explicit role. And you get to negotiate that with your partner. Mm -hmm. And you get to renegotiate that. Uh, And you get to step into that. Mm -hmm. So if you needed an invitation, here it is. Mm -hmm. This is your invitation to participate. Right. Great. Awesome. Um, well, I always enjoy your perspective on things. This, you have just such a wit and cleverness about you that like, I just adore and appreciate so much. So thanks for spending the time today. Any last words? Say it. Don't spray it. Boom. Mic drop. Oh.